Thanks for listening in to the Calvary Podcast, coming to you from Miami, Florida. We're so glad you've joined us. We hope today's message will encourage you and remind you that God is with you and He's for you. Here's today's message. like to give a little bit of background on what we're studying. So if you're taking notes already, let's begin. The book of Nehemiah, who wrote the book of Nehemiah? Well, we know Nehemiah wrote most of it. Nehemiah is the author. We're, we're kind of looking into his journal, right? I don't know how many of you journal, but a few years ago, my therapist recommended for me to start journaling. And now uh, once a week or maybe once every two weeks, and I don't do it every day. There's some weeks where I try to do it every day, but I, I started journaling. I'll get up early in the morning. I'll get some coffee. How many know before you need anything, you need coffee? And so I grab coffee. Coffee and Jesus is the best combination for a morning. And uh, I'll grab a journal and I'll start journaling, right? What life is looking like. What are some prayers in my heart? Some things that I'm going through. Some ideas for me and Diana. Some ideas for the church. A series that we may be on. And, and so I'll start journaling what is going on. And I've been able to look back now. I've been doing this for about four years. I've been able to look back where my life was four years ago. What I was going through. And it's a good way to document. Hopefully my journal outlives me, right? The book of Nehemiah is this. Is Nehemiah journaling down some of his thoughts, some of his things that he was going through. And so we're looking into G, uh, uh, Nehemiah's journal, and I think we're going to get an inside look of his life and the time that he was living in. If you haven't started journaling, I think it's a good practice. What is the date of this book? Okay, we're reading this Old Testament book. When was it written? It was written around 430 to 445 BC, so about 400 years before Christ. And if you know maybe a little bit of scripture, you know the book of Esther, you know the book of Daniel, that's another one that we studied. Uh, They were almost like contemporaries of Nehemiah. They lived a few years before Nehemiah, and I'll give you a little bit more context on that in just a moment. Who is Nehemiah writing to? Why is he doing this journey? By the way, is this helping you so far? We're getting a little bit of an idea of what the book is about. Who's this audience? Well, the audience is the people of Judah, the people of God, basically, who now have returned to Jerusalem. They were exiles living in Babylonia. Remember, Daniel is in exile. Daniel's taken captive from Jerusalem. He's taken to live in Babylon. And after some time, some of those people get back, get to go back to Jerusalem. He's writing to that, to the people that are going back to their homeland, the promised land that God had promised to them. And so you're gonna see what this has to do with that. What is the purpose of this book? The purpose is, the basic purpose and background of Nehemiah is a calling of returning exiles back into covenant loyalty and obedience to the law. Nehemiah rebuilt the city walls so that the community could be protected from enemies who might take advantage of them. Basically, it's a restoration of God's people. It's a restoration, it's a rebuilding, it's a reviving of God's people. And why I think this book is vital and important right now is because we're living in desperate times. And we need the people of God to be revived. We need to restore back principles into our country, into our world. We're living in desperate times and the church needs to stand up, proclaim the truth, tell the gospel. Come on, we need to come alive and rebuild our culture, amen? What are some of the themes that you're going to see? And again, you're going to find this in the booklet. We have all of this in the booklet. If you already downloaded it, it takes about 30 seconds. You'll find all this information. The themes are the Lord hears prayers. Can I get an amen? amen? The Lord is sovereign. He's in absolute control. So though the world may be falling apart, how many know God is in control? Number three, the Lord's word is faithful and true. Anybody know that? Right? You turn on the news, you're like, oh my God, God's forgotten about us. No, God is faithful and true, and the Lord uses people to establish his will. The Lord uses people to establish, this book has a lot to do with leadership, and my prayer is that over the next five weeks, some leaders will stand in Calvary Church, some people that maybe have never been moved today, God will quicken your spirit to stand up to say, we need people in the world today that stand as godly leaders, amen? And then I want to show you a quick outline. This is what we're going to cover over the next five weeks. This is the outline of the book of Nehemiah. We're going to start with uh, how Nehemiah is going to return to rebuild the walls. 
the wall then begins to be built and there's going to be difficulties and challenges. We'll talk about all of that. The reading of the law or the scripture and covenant renewal. Then we'll see how the population of Jerusalem and villages go and then how Nehemiah deals with problems in the community. For the next five weeks, I'm telling you, they're, they're unmissable. If you're on vacation, try to catch it online. Uh, but we're going to study this book that I believe is vital to the day and age that we are living in. So take out your pens, your notebooks. Let's dive deep. Go to the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter 1. As you're going there, look at the person sitting next to you and tell them you look phenomenal this morning. Look at the person on the opposite side and tell them you look better than my first neighbor I turned to. I know, that's mean, but... Calvary Church, can we welcome everybody online right now? Come on, we got a bunch of people online. Are you glad to be in God's house? Come on, I love when we kick off new series. And I don't know about you, but I love The Passion of Christ, that series that we just did. Those seven teachings were absolutely amazing. And I think 2023 is already, we've had some good series. This one, I believe, is going to be vital to our day and age. And so let's go to Nehemiah chapter 1. We're going to read all of chapter 1. It's only about 11 verses. Uh, Nehemiah chapter 1 is page 481 in my Bible, if you have my Bible. And it's right after Ezra. It's a book that sometimes is difficult to find. But if you don't have a Bible, if you can't find it, we'll put it on the screens. Amen? Amen. Okay, beginning to read in verse 1. Are you ready? Yeah. We're starting week 1 of our book and study, Nehemiah. Beginning in verse 1. The word of the Lord says this. The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah. Now it happened in the month of Chislev, in the 20th year, as I was in Susa, the citadel, the Hanani, one of my brothers, came with certain men from Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews who escaped, who had survived the exile, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, the remnant there in the province who had survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates are destroyed by fire. As soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days. And I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. And I said, O oh Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant that I now pray before you day and night for the people of Israel, your servants, confessing the sins of the people of Israel, which we have sinned against you. Even I and my father's house have sinned. Verse 7, we have acted very corruptly against you, and we've not kept the covenants, the statutes, and the rules that you command your servant Moses. Remember the word that you commanded your servant Moses saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the people. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though your outcasts are in the uttermost parts of heaven, from there I will gather them and bring them to the place that I've chosen to make my name dwell there. Verse 10. They are your servants and your people whom you have redeemed by your great power and your strong hand. Oh, Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight to fear your name and give success to your servant today and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. The last line before we go to chapter 2 is, now I was a cupbearer to the king. Now I was a cupbearer to the king. We're going to pause there. And we'll explain chapter one as we begin this five-week series through the book of Nehemiah. We've, we put a tagline on this series says, rebuilding our lives and reviving our cities. And I believe that that's what this series is going to do in our hearts, in our lives. Today, I want us to have open ears to what the Word of God says, to read Nehemiah chapter 1, to let it sit in our hearts and in our spirits, because I believe that today, God wants to do something in our church as we begin this series together. Amen? Amen. If you're taking notes, I've titled this message, The Time is Now. The Time is Now. 
Why don't you high five three, four, five people around you and tell them the time is now. Come on, tell somebody. The time is now. Kevin Cotto, it's good to see you guys. The time is now. Let's pray, and then we'll begin and continue our study in Nehemiah. Father, we thank you. We love you. Thank you for this morning. Thank you for everything that you did last weekend, Easter weekend, Resurrection Sunday, and Good Friday. Thank you for the 219 salvations, people that come in to know you. We believe, God, that those lives are changed forever, God, that the seeds of the gospel were in their heart deposited, and we'll see fruit to come a hundredfold in Jesus' name. Thank you for this church. Thank you, God, for this household of faith called Calvary from Miami to different parts of the world where people are watching, God. Open up our ears, open up our eyes to see you and hear from you today. Speak to us, Holy Spirit, because the time is now. We love you and we thank you. It is in Jesus' name and all of God's people say. Amen. Come on, all of God's people say. Amen. Can you make some noise for Jesus one more time? The book of Nehemiah has to do with rebuilding, and we're going to see aspects of leadership because the people of God have to respond when there is need. I was reminded of the story that I heard and read. A young boy who was standing outside of a department store, he was barefoot, it was a cold night, and he was crying as he was looking in through the window. And he began to ask God, God, I just need some shoes. God, I just need some shoes. At the moment that he's praying, this lady walks by and she says, how can I help you? And he says, I'm asking God for shoes. And so she takes him inside the department store and she asks the employees to help him out and they get him some socks, they get him a pair of shoes that fit him. And once they find the right shoes and the socks and they put it on him, she she puts her hand on his head and she says, you should be good now. You should be comfortable. Is everything okay? And the boy, he looks up and he's like, I was asking God for shoes. And so I just have a question. Are you God's wife? <laughs> Are you God's wife? Where is God's wife today? Where is God's wife? Where is God's bride when it comes to the need that is in our world? Like, are we too busy? Are we too preoccupied with our own troubles, with our own world, that we forget there are walls broken in society? There are walls broken all across America, but yet we can be so busy that we forget to be the hands and feet of Jesus. We are not God's wife. We become extremely busy. America has become from America the beautiful to America the busy. Everybody, you ask anybody, I'm busy. How's life going? Good, good, busy, 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 busy. They were talking to this immigrant that just came into our country, and they said, how's life going? Busy, busy, busy. And they're like, what do you mean busy? You just got here, you don't even have a job yet. But they just thought that's the answer because everybody you talk to in America says, I'm busy. That's the response you get from everybody, busy. Busy is not working. Busy is not solving problems. You can be busy, but busy at a whole lot of nothing, and we're not being effective. It's the church, the bride, the wife of God, busy, but not being effective. Right, if we're going to be busy, let's be busy with the right things. Yet we become so preoccupied, we become so full of problems, that I believe that we forget and we don't look at the lives of others. In fact, I actually put it this way today, I'm too busy with me to bother with you. So many times I'm too busy with me to bother with you. I've been busy in my own life, right? There's been times in my own life where I've just been so concerned about my own life, my marriage, my finances, my spiritual life. I've been busy. In fact, have you ever been so busy that you even forget to handle your own needs, right? Like I, I should take care of myself a little bit better. There's been days where we look at each other and we're like, whoa, we haven't stopped all day. We even forgot to grab lunch. You ever been so busy? Yep. Like, whoo, today, I mean, the time has flown by, and you forget. And our walls are breaking down, yet we don't even stop to fix our own walls because we're busy. Our lives are falling apart. Our souls deteriorate. We get hurt. We get pain. Life hits us, but we're too busy to fix our own walls. 
We're too busy to even think about somebody else's wall. I'm too busy to go sit down with a pastor or a counselor or a therapist. You ever heard people like, I don't got time for that. I wish I could, but I'm working 40, 50, 60 hours. And so we let the wall sit in ruins because we're too busy to fix our own lives. And if we're too busy to fix our own lives, we're for sure too busy to think about somebody else's walls and souls. And so I'm sure that some of our walls in here today are watching, they're broken down. Our souls, they're carrying the weight of the world, but yet we're so busy, we don't go and take care of our own selves. And for sure, we don't take care of the world. You look around the world and the walls are broken around the world. People are broken, society is broken. There is need all across the world. For sure in our country, we're living in a time where there's broken young men that they think the answer is grabbing an AK and going to kill people. We got broken young men, we got fatherless homes. We got young girls who don't know what, an answer, what real love is, what that answer looks like, and so they sell their bodies online looking for validation. We are living in times with broken walls, but it's the time is now for the church to stand up with an answer, with a solution. His name is Jesus. He's the only one that can repair walls. But what we've done is that we've exchanged God, the wall healer, the soul healer, for other gods. And I'm afraid that today what we do is that we don't run to God, we run to gods that don't heal. For the gods of money, power, and control, for the gods of sex, lust, and love is what we run for, is what we run after. It's in the name of power, control, and money that pastors have traded the pure gospel for the prosperity gospel. They're focused on, on how to get rich instead of how to enrich others. It's in the name of lust and love that we got clergymen and we got leadership in church sleeping around and having affairs with broken marriages because we're too self-consumed that we don't fix our broken walls. It's in the name of power and self that the church has become too preoccupied to get down in the dirt and we're too busy trying to build the best platform, stages, names, all for fame. Our walls are broken. It's in the name of money and power that our governments around the world could care less about the poor. And what we do is that we exploit, we use, we corrupt, and we take advantage of our positions. It's in the name of power and control and in the name of love that we run to the Republican Party or the Democratic Party and we idolize men and women and we make them our gods. It's in the name of lust and control that we do whatever we want with our relationships. We sleep around with whoever. We have sex with whoever, whenever, because we are our own gods. It's in the name of love that now we've taken off genders and we allow a free-for-all. It's in the name of acceptance and love that today we have kids as early as five letting them choose their own genders and we start giving them hormone blockers and it's all in the name of acceptance and love and now we go into gender reassignment surgeries it's in the name of love that today we allow men to participate in a sporting event that belongs to women and it's okay because it's love and acceptance our walls are broken it's in the name of love that we accept gluttony and now obesity is okay though it's the number one killer in America it's in the name of love that we run to religion and the religions have made religion their God our walls are broken and what we need is the one to repair restore and help because this ain't helping nobody our walls are broken and what we need is the gospel what we need is the truth what we need is the solution it's not money it's not lust it's not sex it's Jesus and Jesus alone can I get an amen and so it's time the time is now for the church to stand up and say we have a problem in our society is anybody seeing the problem like we got serious needs. What are we doing? Are we gonna continue so busy, so self-consumed? <laughs> like I just, I just, I'm not even done with my intro. <laughs> now Tyler, you're the best. You can. But we're so busy. We just ignore the problems. Another mass shooting. Don't worry about gun reform. Oh, here are just kids having mastectomies. Don't worry about that. And the world is upside down, but the church, we're too busy. We're just too busy. Where's the wife of God? 
Today, I put it this way, respond to the call of God to rebuild the walls of our lives. And if there's any wall that needs to be rebuilt today, it's the walls of our own hearts. Saying, God, do something in me because society is in trouble. And we are the answer. Jesus says, you are the light of the world, Jesus said. And so the church is the solution. The church is the hope for all humanity. He's used us. Go into the world and make disciples. But is God's wife too busy? What happens in the book of Nehemiah is that God is calling on godly leaders to respond to the broken walls. Nehemiah, he, he was born and raised in captivity. He's living in the Persian Median Empire. Just to give you a little bit of background, you guys know God told Abraham there was a promised land. They end up in slavery after some years. Moses goes and frees them. He brings them into the promised land, but because of sin, they literally lose the promised land. God tells them over and over, he sends prophets. He sends Jeremiah. He sends Isaac. He sends all these prophets. And what do they do? They ignore the prophets. They make fun of the prophets. Today, we're talking about this. And there's some people today that are going to make fun of what we're talking about. And they do not care. Because I just want to do whatever I want with my own life. Who are you to tell me what to do, preacher man? What does this old ancient book know about my feelings and how I, what I want to do? So we ignore wisdom. We ignore the law of God. And God's like, okay, sin brings destruction. And after some years, Jerusalem is destroyed. And God's like, I told you it was coming. I told you that sin ends in death. And so Jerusalem gets like devastated. Like they they get torn down. Like they, they lose everything. The city gets burned down to the ground. Everything that David and Solomon built, destroyed, destroyed, destroyed. It's literally ashes, stones, rubble. It looks like a bomb went off in Jerusalem, and they all get taken captive to Babylon. First it was the Assyrians, then the Babylonians, then the Persian Medeans. Those were the world powers at that time. So the Babylonians take the people of God captive over to Babylon, they get taken over by the Persian Medeans. So the Persian Medeans are in power at this time. Jerusalem is destroyed. And here's what I'll say. America is headed that way. America is headed that way. Keep ignoring the prophets. Keep ignoring God's law. Run as far as you can with your self-control, with the gods that you want to worship, sex, lust, control, power, money, greed. Keep running. God is going to judge starting in the church all the way to the White House. God will judge it. Sin brings destruction. You can run. And it may not be in our generation, but sooner or later, we're headed to destruction. And our great country can be destroyed. And we'll be captives. It's going to happen if we don't repent and turn to God. And so Nehemiah is now living under the Persian Median Empire, and he's the cupbearer to the king. He's living in the king's palace. And, and, and there is where he now begins to get intrigued. There's been one man of God named Serubabel. He goes back to Jerusalem because he wants to finally restore God's homeland. King Cyrus at the time, he says, fine, you can go. You read that in the book of Ezra. Ezra and Nehemiah are twin books. They both basically, they were friends basically in the Persian Median Empire. They both, Ezra and Nehemiah, are going to go to Jerusalem to fix the walls. Serubabel goes first. Then goes Ezra. There's been two trips now to go back and fix their homeland. Are you following along so far? So Nehemiah, he's like, how did it go with Zerubbabel? How did it go with Ezra? And he he hears that some of his brothers are back. Nehemiah chapter 1 verse 2. He says, and I asked them. He's in the palace and maybe they're walking by in the hallway. And he sees them and he's like, hey, hey, how's Jerusalem? How are the people that have gone back? How are they doing? I asked them concerning the Jews who escaped, who had survived the exile, and concerning Jerusalem. He asked the question, listen, Nehemiah's in a palace, 800 miles away from Jerusalem. He didn't have to care. But number one, what we see about the book of Nehemiah as we start this series, do we care? Do we care? Somebody say, do we care? Nehemiah didn't have to care. He's living in luxury, I mean, he was a well-entrusted person if he's living right next to the king. He had to, as a cupbearer, first taste the wine and the food that was given to the king. 
because at this time, they're under threats from different world empires, and so they want to take the king out. So before they take the king out, he has to taste the wine and the food. That's what a cupbearer meant. So if anybody dies first, it's Nehemiah. But because they knew kings had cupbearers, they weren't poisoning a lot of kings this way. So he's eating and drinking the best of food and wine. <laughs> For you to be in the king's palace, you had to be handsome, you had to be knowledgeable, you had to have a good attitude, a good presence. And so Nehemiah has a pretty good life. He, he could have said, I don't care about Jerusalem. It is what it is. Like they, they did whatever they had to do years ago. They lost the land. I'm, I'm good with the king. I'm good over here. But he cared enough to ask. Many of us, what I find is that we don't ask because information turns into obligation. Many times we don't ask how our neighbors are doing. Many times we don't even ask or we don't really care how people are because we know that if we get a little bit of information, it's going to mean we have to do something about it. If I find out somebody's in need, they don't have groceries or they're missing X amount of money to pay the rent or something is going on in their family, it usually will put a burden in your heart. And today what we have is a bunch of people running from burden. A bunch of people are just like, I'm too busy with my own life. My own walls are broken down to worry about your own walls. And so we don't even care enough to ask. In 1987, the AIDS campaign was, don't die of ignorance. And I think today a lot of people are dying in ignorance. Well, I don't care. Don't talk to me about therapists. I don't need to sit down with no pastor or no counselor. I, you, you might die in ignorance. Your own walls are broken down, but you don't even care to fix your own life, your own marriage. Well, this is the way my dad told me to parent. Well, okay, your dad probably didn't have all the tools we have today. What if you sit with somebody? But we don't care because information means obligation. Today, I think, do we, do we care? Should we care that America's broken? Should we care that there's no prophets really speaking the truth? There's no prophets that are calling judgment on America if we continue to live in sin? Nehemiah cared enough to ask. And when he gets the information, he can't believe it. It says the city walls are broken. The broken walls in those days, they, they meant terrible times. Broken walls, literally what it meant was anarchy. If, you're all, if your walls of your city are not built, anybody can go in and out. Imagine tonight you go home, you yank out all your windows, all your doors, and you sleep tonight, open windows, open doors. For the rest of your life, no more locks, no more windows. Anybody will go in and out. You probably won't sleep a lot. Imagine a whole city. This was their defense system because unfortunately, not everybody's good. And there's people that want to steal, kill, and destroy. And so the same way we lock up our houses, we lock up our safes, we, lock, we, we guard our homes, you should guard a city. You should guard a country. Proverbs chapter 25 verse 28 says, a person without self-control is like a city that's broken down without walls. All right? And so it, it just literally means anything can come in and out. If you don't have self-control in your life, you'll do anything, go anywhere, anybody can speak into your life because you don't have no self-control. The same thing with a city. And so he says, the walls are broken down, but Ezra and Zerubbabel have gone, and nobody's been able to build back the walls. And so he sees there's a problem. He cared enough to ask, how are the walls of my father's country? The walls are broken down. That means destruction. That means in any moment, the same thing could happen again. It's time to rebuild our walls. Re rebuild the walls of our hearts. It's time to rebuild the walls of our families. It's time to rebuild the walls of our marriages. It's time to rebuild the walls in our culture, in our society. Our walls are broken and we need values, morals, self-control, starting in the church, all across our country. We need to rebuild our walls. Not only, not only did he care enough to ask, he cared enough to cry. The Bible says immediately he, he goes down to the ground and he begins to weep. And I just have a problem today that I think many of us, our hearts don't break for what breaks God, God's heart. We're too busy. God's wife is too busy. We pass in front of the department store. We see the child crying and we won't stop to buy them shoes. America, the church in America has become so busy trying to build our own stages, our own names, our own fame, that we won't stop to help. We won't stop to cry. And I'm telling you, like, we need to be broken with the burden for our city. 
We, we need to look across Miami and see how many fatherless homes are there. How many women are in prison? That's why we have a prison ministry and we go every week to take them the gospel. Because people need the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the only solution to our world. We've become already so desensitized that we hear about another mass shooting and we don't care. We continue like it's nothing. There's a broken problem in our country. There's broken young men in our country. We see doctors giving gender reassignment surgeries to minors and nobody says nothing. It's like there's a problem in our country. It should make us cry and weep and say, God, we need to do something. God, we need your voice. God, we need prophets. God, we need Nehemiahs. God, we need leaders in our country today to stand up for the truth. But we don't care enough to cry. I'm telling you, this is what God cares about. God can care less about the size of our church. God can care less about our cool LED screens. God can care less about that. Zechariah chapter 7 says, this is what the Lord of heaven's army says. Judge fairly, show mercy, kindness to one another. Do not oppress widows, orphans, foreigners, and the poor. Do not scheme against each other. What is the heart of God? To help one another. Nehemiah asked one question, and the one question he asked is about to change his life forever. The question he asked is about to catapult him into a leader that's going to be used as an example for years to come. One question. Warren Wiersbe said, like large doors, great moments in your life are usually on small hinges. Life-turning events. Diana just asked compassion, what's the one area that you need most in Togo? And now we're going to do a life-changing thing in Togo. It's just one question. Today, do we have a question in our heart? Where's the greatest need? He sat down and he began to cry and weep. And today, we need a burden in our heart. And when we get that burden, our cities will begin to change. Our lives will begin to change. Our marriage will begin to change. But you need a burden in your heart for those that are breaking. And Nehemiah began to weep, and then he began to pray. He cared enough to pray. Number two, do we pray? Do we pray? And I'm afraid that in today's day and age, what we pray is that we pray selfish prayers. Oh, God, bless me. Oh, God, help me. Oh, God, use me. Oh, God, please give me, give me, give me. We had a whole lot of me's in our prayers. But that's not Nehemiah's prayer. Nehemiah begins to pray, and there's two things in Nehemiah's prayer. We just read chapter one. Nehemiah, number one, focuses on God's power, and then he focuses on God's promises. Somebody say power. power. Now say promises. promises. Come on, say power. power. Say promises. Power. He focuses on God's power. Number one, you should know who you're praying to. We're not praying to a small God, a dead God, a, a God that is useless. Our God is alive, in control, and in power. And so, and so although the walls are a social problem that he sees, like Pastor Tony Evans says, a practical problem still needs spiritual prayer. No matter what problem you have in your life, it may be a financial problem, maybe a marriage problem, it may be something that you need to figure out in your business. Any problem you have, you need to get that on your knees and pray to the awesome God because prayer is a solution to everything. And so prayer is our first response, not our last resort. We go to prayer for everything. At the start of every year, we do 21 days of prayer and fasting. And in the middle of the year, we do it again. Why? Because we need prayer in our lives. We need prayer in our country. We need prayer in our schools. We need prayer in our... Come on, Calvary, are you with me this morning? Come on, we need more God, less of us. Can I get an amen? And so he begins to pray. And if you read Nehemiah 1 once again and again in your study this week, you'll see it. He begins to say, oh, Lord, the God of heaven. He says, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast. He makes big of God in his prayer. First, he says, you are powerful, God. You're an amazing God. When we approach God, we should know his power. We're not praying to a small, tiny God. He's an awesome God. He's in control. He's sovereign. Our walls may be broken, but he's the healer. Our walls may be torn down, but he's the one that restores. He has all power. He is the God of all might. He's the God of all knowledge. He's the God of all wisdom. He can rebuild our society today. 
Come on, today we got to acknowledge who he, that's why we come to worship. Not saying this is almost over, I came in at the fourth song. Oh, awesome. No, we come in here first. With 10 minutes to service, like when are they going to begin? I can't wait to worship the God of power. Because when you focus on God's power, your problems all of a sudden begin to minimize. He's sovereign over the walls. He's sovereign over my marriage problem. He's sovereign over my financial problem. He's sovereign over my mental problem. He's sovereign over my emotional problem. But what we do is that we have a magnifying glass over our problems, and we have a small view of our God. Nehemiah's like, God, you are. And then he remembers God's promises. In the prayer, we just read it. You're the God who keeps covenant. Oh, God, you, you told Moses and the people of God through Moses that if we sin, destruction will come. But if we repent and turn to you, you will restore the land. Sometimes you got you to gotta, you gotta know God's word. God is faithful, but he's faithful to two directions. He's faithful to his word that if you leave him, disobey him, destruction will come. A lot of times we say, God is faithful. Yeah, he's faithful to bring destruction too. Oh, we don't like those prayers. <laughs> a lot of us are living in consequences of things that he's been telling us about. But he's faithful to his word. God is faithful. And we sing that over and over. Yeah, he's faithful. He's faithful to do everything he says. But he's faithful also to complete his promises. He's a faithful God. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 9. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God, who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. He's an awesome, promise-keeping God. Today, do we, do we know that God? God, you're faithful. And today, we got to remind God, God, you're faithful and true that if we repent, you'll begin to heal our land. And Nehemiah does something really interesting in his prayer. He begins to ask God for forgiveness. Remember, he was born and raised in captivity. He's living in the Persian Medea, 800 miles away. It's easy for him to say, well, that was their problem. That was their fault. Like, they, they sinned. They turned their back on you, God. They, they started worshiping other gods. I've been here drinking the best wine. I mean, this Chardonnay is amazing. Like, but what does he do? God, forgive us. Because we're one body. We're one human race. When's the last time you asked for forgiveness for your neighbor's sins? For the sins of past brothers and sisters, God, forgive us. Forgive us if we've been unfaithful. Forgive us. Forgive the body of God if we've been too busy to worry about our cities. God, forgive us. I think today what we need is national repentance. Today what we need is a collective repentance of the church of Jesus Christ to say, we've let the walls be in ruin. God, forgive us. Forgive us. And maybe you're like, well, I've been living a good life. Forgive us, all of us, Lord. We need healing in our land. We need healing in our schools. We need healing in our marriages. And instead of pointing the finger and saying, well, they need to repent, let's start with repentance ourselves. God, forgive us. God, forgive us. He asked for collective repentance. Between chapter one and chapter two, and I have to finish, Tyler's been playing for a minute, but he prays, right? He hears about the problem. He hears about the problem. He falls to his knees, weeping and crying and praying. And then chapter one just says he was a cupbearer to the king, which just gives us an insight that he's living in the palace right next to the king. Chapter two begins, and the way chapter two begins lets us know that four months have passed. If we understand the Jewish calendar, the way Nehemiah is written, four months have passed, and now he's going to have access to the king to ask a request, which many times say, we have faith to pray, but many times we don't have faith to wait. A lot of times we pray, but we want the answer right away. Nehemiah would have to wait four months before he has any kind of access to ask the king for help. A lot of us, we have faith to pray, but do you have faith to wait? God, can you fix my marriage? And if the marriage isn't fixed that week, you walk out. God fixed my family situation, but if something doesn't get fixed this week, I'm out. And we put timelines on God as if we're God. How dare we put timelines on God when we can't even keep timelines ourselves? God knows when he does things, how he does things, when he wants it. Like, he's God. Nehemiah is asking for an opportunity, but, but he has to wait. And the Bible says he's there serving the food and wine to the king. And Nehemiah, like, he's discouraged. He hears Jerusalem is destroyed. He, he's been crying and fasting for days, by the way. 
for days. How's our perseverance in prayer? How's our perseverance in fasting? Well, I like to fast when we do the 21 days prayer. After that, I like fast food, but I don't like <laughs> fasting food. <laughs> Come on, as a church, we should pick a day a week to fast. Don't wait for the church. Fast for your family, for your marriage. Some of us on staff have been doing that. Like, we're just going to fast every week, one, once, once a week. We need God. We need him now more than ever. And so after four months, he's there in the king's palace giving him his food. And you can tell by his face because the king asked him in chapter two, what's, what's wrong with you, Nehemiah? And by the way, you got to be careful because if you serve, the king couldn't be around sadness. He has enough trouble as it is. And now you're, you're on his staff and he sees that you're sad and you're down and out. This could mean your head. But Nehemiah can't hide it. He's so discouraged and down and out from what's happening in the city. And the king asked him, what, what's wrong? Why are you so sad? Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 3 through 5, and we'll finish with this. I said to the king, let the king live forever. Because if he lives forever, I live forever. <laughs> Why should not my face be sad when the city, the place of my father's graves, lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? Verse 4, then the king said to me, what are you requesting? Well, he's picking up. Nehemiah's about to ask something. And right there he says, so I prayed to the God of heaven. He did a quick prayer. You ever had to do a quick prayer? Yeah. By the way, he had two kinds of prayer. He had a life of prayer, and he also had moments of prayer, yeah. right? And so those moments of quick prayer come from a life of prayer. Some of us just like to do these real quick, like, God, right now, me throwing up really quick. <laughs> I prayed to the God of heaven, and I said to the king, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, that you send me to Judah, the city of my father's graves, that I may rebuild it. Do we care? Do we pray? And I'll finish with this. Number three, do we move? It's not enough to care and pray. I love how we, you know, we always send thoughts and prayers to everything, thoughts and prayers. But several years ago, it started bothering me. I'm like, I'm all for thoughts and prayers, but there's also be thoughts, prayers, and action. And so I think the church, for too long, we've just been doing thoughts and prayers. Oh, man, there's a huge need in Togo, Africa. Thoughts and prayers, <laughs> right? Thoughts and prayers. Oh, our city's broken. Thoughts and prayers, right? But it needs thoughts, prayers, and actions. Come on, the, the, the bride of God, the, the wife of God today, as we read Nehemiah chapter 1, do we move? Are we compelled enough to move for action? It could cost him his life to ask the king this request. Like, you got to put yourself in the Median Persian Empire. This is King Artemixes. He killed his own brother. This guy is, like, they got threats all day long. Four Persian kings killed family members to make it to the throne. This is, like, not no, like, nice, polite prime minister. No, this is a deadly king. But Nehemiah was so burdened with what was happening in the country that he said, even if it costs me my life, I have to move to action to what's happening in my world today. I have to move. And so today, even sharing a message like this, people may leave the church. Because you don't agree with my lifestyle, but guess what? It may cost me something. But I have to move on the Word of God. We have to stand on the foundation of God. And we have to say, I'm not afraid of consequences because we need an answer, we need healing, we need solutions. Our walls need to be rebuilt. Come on, this is the only way. It's the only solution. Church, do we move? Do we move? Do we say, God, do something in our city? God, do something in our country? God, speak. We need you. And it begins with us. God, rebuild my own walls. God, do something in the walls of my heart. As I read this, it's so true. It's alive. Do something in me. You can stay standing. We're almost done. I'm sorry. You just did some squats. Church squats. <laughs> he says, send me, king. If it's okay with you, send me. Can the church pray that today? Oh, Togo, Africa, send me. Oh, women's prison ministry, send me human trafficking embrace there's there's women that are being trafficked and all send me to be the solution god i'm going to be your hands and feet god send me to a connect group where i can embrace my brother my sister and help them lord send me can we pray like isaiah chapter 6 verse 8 and i heard the voice of the lord saying whom shall i send 
and who will go for us? And I said, here I am, send me. Come on, here I am, send me. A great evangelist in the 1800s, his name was Gypsy King, Gypsy Smith, I'm sorry. He says, you ask for a revival? Here's some advice. Take a piece of chalk, draw a circle. Then get inside that circle and pray until everything inside that circle is right with God. Then revival will come. Before we begin to build and repair the walls around our city, it begins with our own soul. Draw a circle, get in and say, God, fix everything inside of this circle. The time is now, we can't wait. Our city's broken, our country's broken. The church across the world is broken. We need a real relationship with God to say, God, open our eyes that we care, that we pray, and that we move. Come on, with hands lifted. Father, today we say, send me. Send me. In spite of my feelings, send me. Come on, why don't you lift up your own voice? Come on. In spite of our emotions, send me. In spite of what my heart may tell me, send me. In spite of my sinful nature, send me. In spite of what I want, what I desire, what I want in this world, God, send me. God, that today we, we may see the need in our own soul, the need in our city, the needs across the world. And our prayer is not just me, me, me. But if there's a me, it's send me. Send me, Lord. God, we pray for healing today. Our walls are broken today, God. And today we ask for forgiveness, God collective forgiveness Lord if we've forgotten your laws if we've forgotten your word God if we've disobeyed and gone after money power control lust if we've gone after all these other gods forgive us today God come on somebody begin to open up your mouth and why don't you pray right there where you're at lift up your voice God forgive us forgive the church across America forgive the church across the world forgive our country Forgive our presidents, forgive our government leaders, forgive leadership across the world for turning their back on you. Today we say forgive us because we've all done it, God. Forgive the sins of our brothers and our sisters. Forgive our sins today, God. God, repair our walls today. Repair the walls of our soul, of our heart, of our lives. Repair the walls of our marriage. Repair the walls of our family. Repair the walls of hatred, racism, classism. Repair the walls in the name of Jesus. Repair the walls. The time is now. The time is now. Today, if you need healing in your own soul. Today, if you're here and your own soul has been broken down by the pressures of life, if your own soul is in ruins, I want to prophesy to you that those, those walls are coming back to life in Jesus' name. That God can repair, He can restore, and God can rebuild. I prophesy to somebody today, God can restore your marriage in Jesus' name. I prophesy to somebody today, your family can be reunited today in the name of Jesus. I prophesy that this is not your end in the name of Jesus. Standing on God's word today, I prophesy this is not your end. Your life won't end in ruin, it won't end in death, but it will end in life in the name of Jesus. That drug addiction won't kill you. That bad habit won't end you. That toxic negative thinking won't always be your fate. In the name of Jesus, we speak life to those walls. And the Holy Spirit today begins to rebuild the walls of your soul. As we repent, He rebuilds. As we repent, He rebuilds. As we repent, He rebuilds. The time is now. Don't wait another day. Don't wait another month. Don't wait another... Today, today, surrender your life to Him. The time is now. Father, thank you for the book of Nehemiah. Thank you for a godly leader. Thank you that Abraham cared. Moses cared. Thank you that Nehemiah, Ezra cared. Jeremiah cared. Thank you that Peter cared. Paul, thank you that Jesus cared. God, today we say we care. Here I am. Send me. 
with eyes closed, head bowed. We're leaving in just a moment. I'm sorry you went a little bit over time, but if you're here today and you don't know God, you're far from God. If you say, Alex, this is my first time here. I visited you guys several times, but I don't have a relationship with God. Maybe you're here and you're saying, Alex, God probably wants nothing to do with me because I've sinned, I've done wrong, thought wrong. And maybe you're carrying around shame and guilt. I want to tell you, he loves you so much. Yes, sin brings death, but the Bible says the gift of God is eternal life. He's faithful that if you repent and turn to him, he'll give you life and life to the fullest. With eyes closed, head bowed, if you're here today, you say, Alex, I need Jesus. Alex, I need forgiveness. I've been following my own ways. I've been doing whatever I want in my own life. I know I've done wrong, thought wrong, said wrong. By the way, the Bible says all of us are sinners. Sin leads to destruction and death. But today you're saying, Alex, I'm going to turn from that and I want to turn to God. With eyes closed, head bowed, I'm going to count to three. The Bible says Jesus came. He died for your sins. So we celebrated last Good Friday. He went up on a cross and he paid the ultimate price for sin, which is death. He's the only one that can do it. He, he lived a perfect life. He was blameless. There on that cross, he took my place and your place. Jesus died. He was in a grave, but he just didn't die. He also resurrected to life again, which means he's over life and death. He's over sin. He's king. And today, if you're saying, Alex, I need the king in my life. I need forgiveness. I need a brand new life. Today, I want to repent. I want to turn from my evil ways, and I want to turn to God with eyes closed, head bowed. Come on, as the church is praying. If you're here and you're saying, I need him to start rebuilding my own life. I need forgiveness for my sins. I want to start a relationship with God. At the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. Hold it up high enough, long enough for me to see it. With eyes closed, in a moment of prayer and privacy, you raise your hand when I count to three. I'll see you. Then you can put it right back down. If you're saying, pray for me. I need Jesus. One, two, three. Raise your hand. Raise your hand as high as you can, as high as you can. Awesome, awesome, awesome. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Awesome, awesome. Amazing. If you're watching online, you raise your hand as well. Let us know in the chats and making this prayer. Anybody else, you can put your hands back down. I want you to repeat this prayer with me from the bottom of your heart. In fact, the whole church. Say, Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this opportunity. Today I admit that I'm a sinner and that my sin separates me from you. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God, that you died for my sins, and on the third day, you resurrected. Come into my life. Be my Lord and be my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. BJ, thank you. Come on, church. Hey, if you made that decision today, whether here or online, and you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations on the best decision. We have a tent outside. They're going to be waving these bags. It's a free gift from us to you. Pass by and pick up a bag on the way out. There's a free coffee cup, a free coffee voucher from Circle Cafe. More importantly, there's a free Bible. And this Bible is going to help you understand who God is. One more time, can we give them a big, big hand? Come on. Come on. Why don't we lift up our hands? We're going to sing this out one more time. Father, we thank you. We love you. The time is now. We worship you. We turn to you. And we ask, use us, Lord, that we would care, we would pray, and we would move. Today, we start serving one another, helping one another. God, do something in our church and in our lives. Thank you for your good grace. Go before us and behind us this week. We love you, Jesus. We give you all the honor and all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's sing it out.